Sabah al-Khair, Sabah al-Yasmin. Today is a very special day. We're celebrating the 50th episode of Sabah al-Yasmin, Ramblings of a Chef. And to celebrate this episode, we have the most important guest, my mother. Mama, Sabah al-Khair. Sabah al-Noor. You know, you've been listening to the show, you've been part of the advice on the show because I call you and ask you about recipes, You, but you also shaped a lot of my cooking identity. So we're going to talk about food, memories, also your ideas, because you have a lot of ideas. My first question, because you also gave me the chance to have a great grandmother and grandfather, and I spend a lot of time in your mother's kitchen also. What is your first food memory? What What's the first food you remember as a kid? My first food I remember were early in the morning, my grandmother used to mix two raw egg yolk with a bit of sugar, a bit of vanilla, and she used to mix them and give them first thing in the morning for me, my brother and sister. And it was delicious. So the eggs, vanilla and sugar. Yeah, at that time we had baladi eggs with no salmonella. I am deprived of giving it to my grandchildren, even to my, uh, I think Fadi had it. But the other two children, uh, it became too complex. Uh, uh, We became very conscious of uh, viruses, uh, bacteria. And it's a pity all this stopped. I had it, and I remember the taste. And I actually remember your grandmother, Teta Victoria. But there's another egg memory I have, which you and my grandmother used to do. And it was, I think, the fried eggs that Naeem used to do. Yes, we had a porter in my parents' house. And up till now, it's the best. I don't know how he did it. The best fried eggs we ever ate and you ate. I think he used to use either olive oil or the uh, samne baladiye uh, to fry the eggs in. Anyway, this man used to work at my parents from the afternoon till the morning. And early morning, he used to go to the best ice cream place in Bethlehem and to do the uh, Arab ice cream, to pound it with the miska, and it was the uh, Salim Salame. It was the best ice cream. Now equivalent we have in Ramallah, which is good, but never like the ice cream Naim used to do. So you remember the eggs, the ice cream, what was the dish, like the tabkha you had at home, which you enjoyed as a kid? Well, I have to be honest, uh, it was not a local dish. Uh, my mother used to do excellent cannellonis. She used to do the pasta herself. I, do, I don't have the recipe, but I know it had inside, I think, spinach and, I am sure, brains. Very nice. Well, my, my grandmother, I remember my grandmother when she would order a grilled lamb, a roasted lamb, she would always enjoy feeding me the brain or the cheeks of the lamb 
Um, she enjoyed all these things, which today people eat less and less. Yes, she did. Herself, yes. I, my, for me, my grandfather is a lot associated to when you used to take us to Paris, and he would take me to the Stretteur Gargantua, and he, he used to love cheese and bread. These were two things he always ate. And I remember even when he was at your house or I was sleeping at their house, he would even wake up at night and have cheese from the, the fridge. Is it something you do also? Do you wake up and have cheese? Yes, it is a family treat. I wake up and I have a cheese sandwich at night. My father, since he was brought up in France, he had a weakness for the cheese. You, you studied in Jerusalem at the Schmidt School, which was German. And then you left Palestine and studied in Beirut and then in the UK. Are there like German recipes you miss, Lebanese recipes you miss, or British recipes you miss? Uh, in uh, Schmidt, we had an Arab cook. She never cooked uh, German dishes, except one day the nuns used to do the St. Nicholas on the 5th of December. And there they used to do us the old kind of uh, German kuchen, and it was delicious. That's the only uh, encounter uh, with German food at Schmidt. Uh, Lebanese food is, for me, uh, number one. The best restaurants at that time, I'm talking of the 60s, they were, uh, I can say, at equal level with the best French restaurants. So uh, Lebanese food for me, Lebanese service was top. In England, I, I, I really don't have a memory of uh, something that struck me. But again, uh, England has changed. I'm talking of the early 70s. And now it's a completely different stories you have uh, Again, very good restaurants, uh, best food. But I'm talking 40 years ago, London was not the place where you could have a nice uh, meal. What's your favorite Palestinian dish? My favorite Palestinian dish is Marmaoun, which is near uh, couscous, but it's not the same. It's basically made from uh, wheat, and not uh, semolina like the couscous. And it has a, a tomato sauce with chickpeas in it and chicken. And you make a very nice maftoul or marmaon. Thank it's, you. It's delicious. So now to get to me. What was my first food you gave me that was like real food? Uh, well, I think at uh, six months, you started eating real food. And I would like to add, you were a gourmet uh, since you were a baby. At seven years, I think, or eight years, you developed a ganglion on your neck. And your grandfather and Dr. Abdullah Khouri were very worried they did you all kinds of exam to see the cause of this ganglion. And finally, one morning, your grandfather wakes up. He phones Dr. Khouri. He tells 
them we will do toxoplasmosis. It's for those who don't know, toxoplasmosis, you, you get it either from cats or from uncooked meat. And Khuri told him, but we have no toxoplasmosis. So your grandfather said he was in France and he eats in your meat. And they did you the test and it was toxoplasmosis. And I remember when we used to go to restaurants, you used to always, at eight years, ask for uh, your meat to be senior. Although us at home, like most of the Arabs, we overcook our meat until it becomes very rubbery. And uh, But you developed, you liked your meat senior. At nine years, you used to make a list of the restaurants you would like to go and eat in France. And since you were a kid, you wanted to do hotellerie. And you were very good in school. And we, at that time, did not appreciate this. We forced you to do a degree in business. But you always had this in mind. And finally, you went and did this. And then you tried to work with your father, who's a businessman, but you took the section of the kitchen, selling kitchen equipment. It was always your point faible. Until now, your dreams were fulfilled. Thank you, but it's thanks to you and to your support. Not only your support, you educated me with food. You gave me the chance to try different foods, to travel, to stay in hotels, to, to, to fall in love with this hospitality and cooking and, and the whole hospitality industry, the food, the restaurants. And I want to remind you of a moment where you, you say you forced me to study um, a degree in business, but I remember when I started hotel management, and my first stage, I had to go at four in the morning, every morning, to prepare breakfast in a hotel I was doing my stage in. And you were staying, I was staying with you in Paris, and you would wake up in the morning, and being who you are, you'd make sure I had breakfast before I left, and, and all this, and, and took good care of me. But at the same time, I remember you felt, bad about having your kid go at four in the morning off to the to his work yes i remember this uh, yeah it was a uh, very uh, hard but we you enjoyed it and uh, we finally accepted this and remember we used to come and uh, try the dinners in your hotel management school and i got my friends to come for dinners and it was fantastic. Yep, I remember they were the most you were the most difficult customers we had because I was terrorized that it won't be good enough. Because you are a gourmet and, and you enjoy good produce and good food and you know that the taste of your palate and that's something you, you transmitted to me. A lot of what I do today is thanks to what you taught me and you still teach me and we have this phone call every morning where I call you and and say, Mama, Mama, how do you do this? Or how do you do that? And very often, okay, I do a different type of cuisine, but it's very often based on things 
that you do or tastes that you taught me. And now with this show, because I'm presenting traditional recipes, most of the recipes on the show are actually your recipes. Um, not all of them. There's things I know you don't know, you don't like doing, um, but there's a lot of them that are your recipes and and or at least your influence. There's one thing I remember as a kid, which you used to do, and it was fantastic. And you created this obsession in me because that's also something I love doing. You used to do the best chocolate mousse in the world. And then you stopped doing chocolate mousse. And it's something I enjoy doing a lot because it's you created this, this passion for chocolate. And now we're going to tell people listening to us that you also have, other than cheese, you also have another habit which you transmitted to me is you and I don't sleep much and we do wake up at night and have chocolate in the middle of the night. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, I admit I have to have chocolate before I go to sleep. And now finally they are saying that chocolates are the best for anti-depression. Uh, they create a good mood. Uh, but nobody had to tell me this. Uh, instinctively, I knew it. And uh, the chocolate mousse, by the way, I stopped doing it. Again, I come back to the eggs problem because uh, we now are obsessed with viruses. And my recipe of chocolate mousse was obviously with raw eggs. And that's the best chocolate mousse we can do. Uh, the same thing for I used to do very good mayonnaise. Again, I stopped for uh, the same reason. When, when we were young and... You used to entertain a lot at home. And I have these memories of fantastic dinners you used to give at, at our house, um, whether it was business relations of my father's, or it was diplomats, or it was friends of yours. You always had these two things which you, you really gave me. And one of them was the importance of how nice a table should be set up how the cutlery should be perfect, how the glasses should be perfect, how there should be fresh flowers on the table, and then the quality of the food and the, the, the also the order of food and, and what comes first and when, what is served as a main course and a dessert. And finally, it's things I find in my restaurant today, like fresh flowers. Technically, at Fauda, we're the only restaurant in Palestine that has fresh flowers on the tables that has candles. But not only have you transmitted this to me, I'm extremely lucky that both you and my father come a lot to the restaurant to give me a hand. And very often it's around the the, the service part because I'm I am protective of my kitchen and I'm I listen to you, but I, I mean I can't imagine you cooking in my kitchen. Just like you you had problems with me cooking in your kitchen, I would use every pot in your house and, and make a mess out of it. But that's something that's very important to you, and it is always important to you. The, the quality of service, the quality of the, the, the table settings, the the etiquette of tables, who gets served first. Um, and that marked me a lot, because that's what I try today to transmit to my team through how we serve our guests. Uh, this, uh, uh, this thing, I got it from my mother. My mother was very particular about this her table, her cutlery, her uh, flowers. And uh, this she taught us, me and my sister, 
and uh, uh, the uh, tablecloth, how it should be impeccable, the serviettes, how they should be. And really this, we I took it from my mother and all her sisters were the same. It seems their father was very particular and he taught them this. So let's go back to your mother and her family. They were sisters and one brother. And the sisters ended up traveling, living in, in different places, in Jordan, in Chile, in Lebanon, in the Sudan. They, they traveled. But my grandparents, and I remember this as a kid, after... Israel occupied us. They couldn't travel to the Arab world, but we lived with the memories of them driving to Beirut, driving to Tehran, driving to to, to, to Amman for dinner and coming back. And a lot of this came back into my grandmother's kitchen. For us, all of us, we when we think of Teta's kitchen, we still think of things like chilo kebab, which is an Irani recipe. Did, did this influence your cooking? Yes, uh, my mother was doing a lot of Italian dishes, and this comes from her father, who was very close to the Italian convents in Bethlehem, and to her uh, sisters that lived in uh, Egypt, and they had, uh, at that time, there were many Italians in Egypt. And that's why when I talked about cannelloni, her best cannelloni. She used to do excellent Italian dishes. Which you do today, some of them at least. You do, you cook for I us. I used to do. <laughs> I used to. You still do, and you still do fantastic food. Let, let's go to Palestinian food. There, there's a few of these things you also do, do wonderfully, and, and you shaped my palate with them. One of them is all the mahshis, of course, the, the stuffed courgettes, whether they're the uh, mahshis in Laban Jamid, whether they're the mahshi, um, the kusas and, and vine leaves, or the stuffed aubergines. But not only that, you, you also taught Jamie Oliver how to do stuffed vegetables when he came to Palestine. What is your favorite stuffed v- leaf or vegetable? The kusa and wara. It's your favorite to eat and to make? Uh, to eat, yes. To make, it's very uh, time-consuming. Then there's there's Palestinian flavors, which you've also transmitted to me. And one of them is the cheese, the jubna makbusa, which you put hot water on and it becomes melting and we eat it like this. Is it something that you you've learned as a kid or is it something that you developed with time? No, uh, as a kid... Uh, the Palestinian families used to buy uh, jars of this uh, cheese for the whole year. Uh, Nablus was famous for it, and we used to order uh, jars of this and eat throughout the year. And in summer, we used to eat it with watermelon. You, you mentioned buying cheese for the whole year. I remember at my grandparents' house, but then also at your house, people would stock things like olive oil, they would stock things like the cheese. Today, they're not stocking them because you can find them fresh more often. 
But you still do things. I mean, your jams are fantastic. You do seasonal jams. As soon as there's a fruit in, in season, you do a jam. Your apricot jams are, are, are a pleasure. Right now, we you did the strawberry jams, which are exceptional. Um, and it's something you you do a lot of. Because I think you enjoy a piece of bread with some butter and jam, right? Yes, that's my favorite breakfast. Uh, I do, uh, the best thing uh, uh, we do is the apricot jam. And the apricots uh, come from Bejala. And the apricots of Bejala, I don't know why. Is it the soil? Is it the climate? It's the best apricots worldwide. And uh, it is very, very short season. It's around uh, two weeks, three weeks. And that's why we have a saying, Bukra bil mishmash. Yeah, it means uh, never, because it's a very uh, short period. And, uh, well, my recipe, I put half the amount of sugar. Let's say a kilo of mishmash with half a kilo of sugar. Usually they put more to preserve it, but now we can very well preserve it in the fridges. And uh, a long time ago, people will store, of course, olive oil, they still do, the cheese, and the olives. They make olives and jam for the whole year. Now to the questions of, of today, of what things are today. When you're elsewhere, when you're traveling elsewhere, whether it's in Paris or elsewhere, um, you cook Palestinian. If it's for my brother, if it's for some people that are close to you, you cook Palestinian. Do you miss Palestinian food when you're abroad? Yes, uh, and we, uh, uh, I cook, when I cook, it's Palestinian, and we go to... uh, well, there are no Palestinian restaurants in Paris, but we go to a Lebanese uh, restaurants. Uh, I buy ingredients from uh, a shop in Paris, Delice d'Orient. Uh, it is called, it's in the 15th arrondissement. Monsieur Romeo, the famous Monsieur Romeo. Oui, and they get uh, uh, fresh uh, f- uh, fruits, vegetables, uh, twice a week from Lebanon. You now you can find in France, but a couple of years ago you could never find the small courgette. You could never find uh, the small uh, aubergine and uh, the melochie. Uh, and he gets them, and he does uh, catering, takeaway. Uh, a very good uh, variety of Arabic uh, food. You have hummus, you have kebab, you have uh, 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 very good. So we actually buy a, a lot and uh, your brother who lives in France misses a lot of uh, Palestinian food. So now that your son has a restaurant, what, what do you feel when you see what I do in terms of food and when you come and have dinners or when we exchange about what I'm cooking and what I'm preparing? What, what, what do you feel? 
I am very proud of you. And I have to admit, you surpassed your grandmother and myself. The innovation, the products you use, you dare to mix things perfect. And we are proud of you and we wish you the best and the success. But it's it's thanks to you. I didn't surpass you or my grandmother. I... I, I work based on what you have given me and what you give me every day, and you've been extremely... It may be the basis, but uh, the, you, the innovation you did on the Palestinian food is uh, really amazing. Thank you. And it's a lot of what I can do today is thanks to you and my father. You've been extremely supportive in my studies. You've been extremely supportive in my life. And with the restaurant and the guest house, you, I mean, it wouldn't happen without your moral and financial support and your presence there and, and you standing by my side and helping me and, and pushing the limits. And I have to admit, you say very nice things about, about my food and my daring, but every time you, you book to come to the restaurant, it's, I feel like I'm getting the biggest challenge of my life because I always want to impress you and I want you to be happy and you and your guests. And then I wait for the moment I get feedback from you because I know it comes from the heart and I know it's it's real and it's for my interest, but it's also extremely precise. And that's what helps me grow and do things and, and review things I failed in doing and, and do things better. Mama, I have one last question and then we're going to wrap up these this 50th episode um so my last question is when you cooked for us when we were kids and you shared all these fantastic tastes with us and you took us to restaurants and you took us i mean i have memories honestly every memory of a great meal in a restaurant anywhere in the world was always with you and you gave us this. And today your children, you have three children. One of them is a chef, me. One of them is this fantastic businesswoman slash teacher, educator, my sister. And then a brilliant novelist. And the three of us are different. You've been very good at giving all of us the same help and support. But my question is, when you took us to these restaurants and you took us out and you took us to museums, and you did you expect us to become what, what we've become today or did you expect us to do other things? Uh, no, uh, you, since, you, uh, as I said before, I knew you will end up in, in the hotel business. This was for sure. Uh, and so about Muna uh, and Karim, he was always the... Uh, dreamer, the philosophy, the literary man. Uh, I I knew uh, how the outcome will be. So so you knew. Thank you for being accepting to be our guest for this fiftieth um, episode. I it really means a lot to me. Is there anything else you want to tell people? No, except that I am very proud of you, and I wish you all the success, uh, in spite of the. Uh, difficult place you live in, 